Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back at it like a motherfucking crack addict. good what is good my people it's your boy big drizzlax i just ended up editing this little intro and then putting it on the roadcaster and updating the roadcaster i totally fucked up the levels and i couldn't use any of the other pads like the machine gun that i like to use heaps so fuck me but we're just gonna keep on rolling I know that uh, some of you might be a little bit sick and tired about hearing about this shit, but in Melbourne, we seriously are going through a lot of crazy ass times and it feels like the rest of Australia's really moved on. I've speak to my mum and speaking to one of the homies in Adelaide, DJ Nixon, and just, uh, you know, seeing Inkswell doing his thing and the homie admin going out digging and just seeing all the boys around the country getting on with their lives while the rest of us in Melbourne are locked down. It's shit is just starting to get a little bit frustrating, irritating. Watching the news and our premier who's literally, he's just lost the absolute plot. Times are unbelievable at the moment. We've literally got drones in Melbourne flying in the sky with a little megaphone on it telling people to social distance. And if that's the future in Melbourne, I don't want to fucking live here. It's crazy because I've actually been thinking about moving out of Melbourne uh, the last week or two. If These are the kind of things that are going through my mind at the moment because I never thought that Melbourne would get to this stage. But yeah, our Premier, he's just hell-bent on burning the state down. And I understand that there's a lot of the bat-bap going around and all that kind of stuff. We've got to protect the elderly. I think it's just been mismanaged... Uh, it's been mismanaged like a motherfucker. Anyway, just a little bit of social commentary on where I'm at, what I'm doing. Still trying to keep my head up. I think I go back to work on the 28th of this month. Like I said, me stepping down and receiving JobKeeper so people that have kids and mortgages can go to work. I kind of feel like I've been really doing my part. I don't know. It just feels like I'm doing the right thing in my heart and shit. It is what it is. And uh, I'm happy that I'm in the position that I can actually kick back. I don't have any debt. And that's the number one thing I'll tell all of you guys out there. Just don't get into debt. There's things like zip pay now and all these other options after pay and things like that. And if you can't afford something, just don't buy it. Like there are so many people that are a slave to a paycheck. I'm not judging if that's the way that you want to live your life. You want to be in debt. People are buying $50,000 cars when they have absolutely no business buying a $50,000 car. If you don't even earn fifty. 50 grand a year and you're driving around a $50,000 car, there's a problem. It's so overextended. People have four bedroom houses and it's like them and their missus living in the house and shit. So just overkill. I understand that we live in a lucky country and people want more and they want to look good in front of their neighbors and they want to say that they own their own house. But if you are a paycheck or two paychecks away from losing everything, I could not imagine living like that. I love the fact that I have savings in my bank account and that no matter what happens, I'm going to be okay. I'm lucky that I have a good family as well. My family's always got my back and let's move on. This is a hip hop show. Drizzlax, what are you doing? Talking shit.
I was actually going to bed this morning at around three or four o'clock. I'm a little bit of a night owl. I've been watching Westworld as well, which has been absolutely amazing. And uh, just speaking about soundtracks last week, if you guys haven't checked out the Westworld soundtracks, there are honestly some real fucking bangers on those, like Nirvana's Heart Shaped Box and Kanye Dark Twisted Fantasy. They full have an orchestra playing all these crazy tunes like Paint It Black and definitely worth checking out. So yeah, stayed up last night and just as I was going to bed, I was thinking about what podcast I should do next like I said just being in lockdown it gives me a purpose it gives me something to do we can only go outside for an hour's exercise at eight o'clock if you're busted outside and you don't have a good reason like going to work you get a $1,600 fine I'm actually just a little bit of a night owl I kind of really like the peace and quiet at night and I'm sure that some of my neighbors don't really like me and I got the subby and the tower speakers blasting and I do try and stay considerate and thoughtful towards my neighbors and shit so I hope they don't hate me too much. Just as I was going to bed, I was thinking about doing a Tupac and Biggie podcast. I know that I've done a Death Row podcast, which is doing extremely well, by the way. It really is crazy, like how the podcasts that I think are going to do okay, they don't really, or some of them are like averagey in the middle. And then the podcasts that I just put out there and I'm like, holy fuck, I don't know if I should even put this out. They're the ones that get these crazy fucking numbers. And I really cannot read this shit. Same with the hip-hop channel when i was posting things on the youtube hip-hop channel like i think the most watched episode is the dua lipa episode where i talk about my infatuation with female singers and that one there is just blown away every single other one even the red man mtv cribs one like i didn't think that one was gonna do well at all and it's doing pretty good so biggie and tupac we know the rivalry we know the friendship we know the movies i mean everything that has to be spoken about as far as those two guys are concerned has been spoken about we found out who killed Tupac in the end which was Orlando Anderson and uh, the Biggie murder hasn't really been solved but the one thing I want to talk about is Biggie's bodyguard Gene who used to hang out with him all the time and he was with Biggie in LA when he got shot he was talking about the night that Biggie got shot our Puffy and D-Rock actually went to do some business earlier that day he said it was strange because they didn't like each other and uh, like they never really hung out one on one and when they got back D-Rock was really strange and when they went to that automotive museum for the party D-Rock wasn't drinking he wasn't smoking weed and Gene the bodyguard was like really wondering what the fuck was going on with that because it wasn't like D-Rock and he said that he was literally just standing there all night just looking that big and he had this really sad expression on his face and Gene blames Puffy basically for Biggie getting shot and what you gotta realize is that bad boy wasn't bad boy he wasn't like like this American dream close to being a billionaire crazy businessman whatever he was a struggling record label owner and Biggie was thinking about leaving bad boy Biggie was one of the biggest stars in the world and he wanted to branch off and do his own thing I don't know if you guys have ever heard an album which I think is one of the dopest story kind of telling albums um, it's by Prince Paul it's called a Prince Among Thieves and it really is a similar story to Biggie's story Puffy giving him his chance and then him blowing up and in the end Big was gonna ultimately just leave Puffy which Puffy probably looked at as a betrayal when
and he was just like, yeah, I can't have this shit. I can't have this guy leave because he's the cash cow. And think about how fucked up this is. This is what Gene's talking about. The guy that was around these guys back in the days a lot. Imagine how much a bodyguard would see. They go everywhere that you go. So Gene talks about how it was more in Puffy's interest to get rid of Biggie, hold on to the rights of his songs and to celebrate him in death. And I don't know how true that is, but you got to admit that it's a pretty amazing chess move and something about him is off. He's kind of like Suge Knight. So let's talk about Suge Knight. Since we're going to talk about Puck as well, Puck looked at Suge as a father figure and when everybody had forgotten about Puck in jail, rotting away on charges that he said that were bullshit. It's funny how they portray it in the movie. It's like Puck was sleeping in a completely different room. I don't know how true any of that shit is, but you just never know. I would literally just have women signing agreements and be like, yo, if you want to fucking sleep with me, you got to sign that shit that says that you're here voluntarily. And there would have to be witnesses around. Any dumb bitch could go for a fucking payday. Some of these dudes really are targets. Imagine being in that position where women just throw themselves at you and just takes one crazy bitch to fuck your whole shit up. But yeah, back to Puck, the world had forgotten about him. Everybody was like, yo, keep your head up, this, that, whatever. But Interscope wanted to get him out. They wanted to get him out of jail, but they couldn't be seen. This is in the Defiant ones, of course. They couldn't be seen to be the ones that are pulling him out of jail. Remember, Puck's in jail on alleged rape charges at this point. They put Suge on the case. There were, what was it like? Puck had to do three albums. With All Eyes On Me, he knocked out two. That was two straight up. And then it was Machiavelli, right? Then in the end, even as much as those albums had sold, it wasn't enough to cover the spending, according to Suge Knight. At the end, Puck still owed Suge. And when he wanted to leave, Suge was like, fuck no, you're not leaving me. You can start the East Coast chapter of Death Row if you want. But things didn't really go that way in the end, did they? That one fucking fight. You add alcohol and you add a boxing match, testosterone. Like I said to you guys in the Death Row podcast, I worked in pubs my whole life. And when you have boxing nights and shit like that with the alcohol, man, everybody's out there to prove themselves. There's so much testosterone in the air. And isn't it crazy how in a split second, how you can lose everything? Puck lost his life that night. I think it was, yeah, six days later or something like that. He got shot on the 7th and he died on the 13th. Suge went to jail for nine years. Snoop fucked off down to New Orleans to hang out with Master P. Master P was like one of the only people at the time where Snoop could feel safe, right? Even though if you look at more current interviews where people are kind of like, Suge Knight doesn't like Master P, it's all fucking bullshit. He's on such a different level as a human being and businessman. It's no wonder that he is where he is. He's a brilliant fucking mind. And if you guys haven't checked out interviews with the homie, seriously, do yourself a favor because that guy there is um really a positive dude he does a lot for the community and him and sugar tight but still snoop went down south which back then and nobody understood none of us understood that we were like what the fuck snoop's going down to no limit daz ended up suing suge for rights that he wasn't getting paid to the beats that he produced and he produced a lot of beats back then so i think daz ended up winning 25 mil the only one that really lost out was corrupt corrupt didn't really fuck 
fucking get much out of any of that shit, any of those deals. Dre, of course, went to the East Coast, did his thing over there. That wasn't really that successful until he found Eminem a little bit later on. Yeah, I just kind of feel like, let's go back to what I was saying. Biggie and Tupac, it's kind of like they both wanted these father figures. They didn't have father figures in their lives. They were both raised by women. And, you know, Puff was that guy for Biggie. And Suge Knight was that guy for Tupac. And the thing they both have in common as well was that Suge and Puffy were controlling the money. They reckon just before Biggie died, and this is the guy, Gene. If you guys want to watch this interview, it's on YouTube. Just search Gene Deal, Biggie's bodyguard. And you don't have to take it at face value because... You never know. People have different agendas and whatever, but there's something about him that he's very believable and very genuine. It just seems like he doesn't really have a reason to lie. Like, there's something very sincere about him. He talks about how Biggie was building a house for his mums and he couldn't pay the contractors and shit. He just had to keep hounding Puffy for money and he wasn't getting any. And this is like, ready to die, blown up. And Biggie was a real big fucking star at this stage, man. His second album hadn't come out. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, his second album came out after Biggie died anyway. Yeah, Suge wasn't giving up no cash to Park. He was paying him basically in cars and houses. But as far as money goes, neither of them had it. They were both unhappy and they both wanted to leave and they both ended up dying. Tupac ends up dying in Las Vegas at the University Medical Center Las Vegas. And that was on the 13th of September. And we all know the whole 13th of September thing. Biggie's ready to die came out two years prior to that in 1994 on the 13th of September. Isn't it amazing that Biggie puts out an album on the 13th of September 1994 called Ready to Die two years later on the 13th of September Tupac Shakur dies. That shit fucking blows my mind. Also what blows my mind is that last year we celebrated the 25th anniversary of Ready to Die which makes me feel old as fuck because I remember the day that that album came out and they both, you know, they obviously both died in California and it really is just so fucking sad. Even though I wasn't the biggest Tupac fan in the world I did listen to a lot of his stuff back then. You had to, you know, like it's not like these days where it's, it's such an oversaturation of hip hop. Back then you had, you know, your fucking handful of artists. You had like 50 artists that you listened to and the rest of the world listened to. You know, everybody was listening to the same shit. All listening to Wu-Tang and we were listening to Snoop and sure some people were digging deeper and they were listening to like Brother Lynch Hung and Selly Cell and some people were digging even deeper. You can go as far as you really want in a lot of this shit there was good albums there were bad albums there were albums that didn't really make it overseas to australia and you really had to be a part of the underground to really know what the fuck was going on and i just think it was extremely sad with these two guys seeing it in the 90s even just as recently as pop smoke pop smoke was also from brooklyn like biggie and he was creating this new style with the whole drill scene and shit and it was just an exciting time and he was called himself the king of new york as well just like biggie which is based on the movie the king of new york of course with christopher walken his character in the movie frank white and pop smoke had the track christopher walking and there were just so 
many coincidences and a rapper's still dying. It really is fucked up. So many years later, to anybody listening that's not really into hip-hop, I really would recommend that you guys check out a couple of these albums. Biggie's first two albums, of course, Ready to Die and Life After Death and Tupac's albums. And there are definitely a lot of dope tracks on Tupac's albums as well. Tupacalypse Now, Strictly for My N.I.G.G.A.S. and Me Against the World, which was an album that was doing amazingly well when he was in jail. Of course, we have All Eyes on Me when he came out of jail. And the third album, which he owed, Suge Knight, was Don Columinati, The Seven Day Theory, Machiavelli. There is so much goodness on those albums. And if you haven't heard the Prince of Thieves album as well, um, the Prince Paul album, I would definitely 100% recommend that. And I definitely think that we should pay respect to these artists because there are guys out there like Little Yachty that have been caught on video talking shit about Tupac and laughing. And I feel like these guys, they were both 25 years old and the impact that they had on the world was absolutely amazing. And future generations not to accept that and to be laughing at the music that was being made back then, which I actually think was a lot more complicated, especially with Tupac. Tupac was known for his political views and his outlook on life and having a voice and standing up for the common man. And then you look at Biggie's rhyme flow, the way that he used to spit. It's so intricate and complex that people have tried to remix him and they can't because Biggie used to swing with whatever beat he was rapping on. He was so good at rapping that he would just intertwine and weave in and out of these beats and you got to give props where props is due with these two guys and um, to be making fun of them. I don't think that's a very human way of being, you know, have a fucking heart, have a soul. I don't think we should be making fun of anyone. It's not really the hip hop way. Hip hop's all about heart and it's a about helping the next man it's about the struggle and it's about lifting each other up mentally being there for the next guy and the one thing that i want you guys to get out of my show is that making the right decisions in life like these two guys ultimately didn't do but it's very hard sometimes to see the devil that's standing right next to you so it might be your best friend it might be a family member it might be someone that just doesn't want to see you succeed man so open your eyes up wide can be a cold world but i think in hip-hop we just need to learn to love a little bit more and just be there for each other a little bit more and that's exactly what i want my show to be about so yeah rest in peace to both tupac and big just wanted to have a little bit of a conversation today about two artists that ultimately changed the world of hip-hop as we know it man the beef was definitely fueled by the media and people that didn't have their best interests at heart in the end it's a really sad story because we lost both of them i actually saw on Instagram the other day what Tupac and Big would look like now as older men and it just made me real sad because they never reached that shit. They never had the choice to move past 25 years old and that's scary if you're 25 or if you're a bit older like me and shit just to think that being dead at 25 it's such a waste man really is a waste so be there for each other stay away from scheming and conniving ass motherfuckers like puffy and shrug in your life just know that there's always going to be someone there that really doesn't have your best interest at heart like i had homies they just dragged me down in life and even when they seemed like they were fucking helping me out they were dragging me down with their left hand and they were pulling me back up with their right hand and... <laughs> 
I didn't see it for so many years and I just, you know, I cut so many people out of my life, man, because I wouldn't have been in like fucked up positions if it wasn't for them in the first place. You know, they didn't give me good advice and it's not like they were trying to do good things in life. You know, they just wanted to drag me down to their fucking level just so they wouldn't be lonely and just stay away from bitch ass motherfuckers, man, straight up. That's the best advice that the Drizlax can give you. So none of us are perfect, but in the end, man, I'm just telling you, keep your eyes open keep the grind going and really suss out who you have in your life and if they're really benefiting you or if they're like really trying to fucking sink you and bring you down to their level but yeah i'm gonna end the podcast there i've dribbled on for a little bit too long these podcasts can be fucking brutal to edit there's a lot of ums and ahs and you knows and i think i literally say you know i don't know I don't know, and you know, I probably say that about a hundred times, so I've got to edit all that out, clean all this shit up, and it's really weird to me that some people record a podcast and they don't do any editing and they just chuck it up online, I fucking wish that I was that skilled and I could do that, but maybe I'll get there one day. Anyway, it's been your boy Big Drizlax, thank you so much for chilling with me, I hope things made sense today on this podcast, and thank you to everybody that constantly supports me and um there are definitely a handful of people out there that always like listen to this shit as soon as it comes out and it means the fucking world to me so word up and really appreciate that shit anyway i'm drizlax at og talks peace Galaxy sauce.